0: From SGI USA, I'm Cassidy Bradford, and this is Buddhability, the weekly series where I talk with Buddhists from all walks of life about the power we each have to change our lives and the world around us. Last week, we asked you, what is one thing you would do if you were totally fearless? We got a huge response. I thought it might be a daunting thing to answer, but so many of you have a clear picture of what you're yearning for and dreaming about. A huge theme was making a career shift. The careers totally span the gamut, whether acting, starting your own business, or even working in a foreign country. One listener wrote, I would quit my job, buy a farm, and raise some goats and horses. We also received quite a few responses about love both self-love and love for others. One listener wrote, talk to my dad freely about my relationship. I'm sure lots of us feel that, especially as we enter the holiday season. There may be some lifelong or maybe new family dynamics that we'd much rather avoid. I hope that today's guests will encourage you to face those dynamics head on and develop a harmonious and joyful family. And just a quick note about today's episode, we touch on domestic violence, so please take care when listening. Buddhism is a continuous journey of inner transformation. To transform, however, we sometimes need to be able to clearly see or feel what it is that we actually need to transform. For instance... I might have a deep fear that I'm unlovable. But until that pops up in a relationship, I might not be able to face it head on and actually overcome it. So as I chant nam Yo Horenge kyo about all the anxiety I'm feeling in this relationship, I can tackle that fear head on and become someone who loves myself, regardless of what others think about me. In the same way, today's guest, Krithi Byagdi of San Francisco was able to uncover the anger and fear in her life that was preventing her from following her dreams and fighting for a harmonious family.
1: My name is Krithi Vyadgi, and I live in San Francisco, California. I was born in India, and uh, my dad passed away when I was four and a half years old. At the time, my mom was so ready to raise me by herself. But I think, you know, the way she grew up, everyone was so concerned that, you know, she wouldn't be able to, like, raise me without a man or things like that. And she was really encouraged to get married again. And, you know, she decided to get married again. And we moved to the U.S. Um, we came to soon find out he was really abusive. After living with him for like seven years, one day my mom was like, we're leaving. And I was like, what? Okay. I was 13 at the time. And to be honest, it actually felt so freeing And I just remember in the car on the way, like we were going to go stay at an uncle's place in San Diego. Just on the drive, I was like, wow, like we're leaving. Like my life is so free. Like it just felt so freeing actually at that moment without like really knowing the reality of everything. And I think after that, like it actually became so hard. it it was just extremely hard because my mom wasn't working and like she was able to take some money but like we were set up so well and then all of a sudden overnight we had nothing because of the courage to leave like we ended up with like you know not really having a lot to stand on but just had a lot of people in our lives at the time who really supported you know I went to India to stay with my grandparents and my mom and sister younger sister stayed at a friend's house or like moved from a friend's house to another and when I came back to the U.S. like we moved from one woman's shelter to another and a family friends party like my mom was actually introduced to Nichiren Buddhism and at the time it's funny she you know we grew up Hindu believing in so many different gods and praying to different gods for different things and at the time my mom was like well you know what like I have nothing more to lose right now so let me just give this a try and I think you know we went to Buddhist meetings and I saw my mom get really involved in the Buddhist community and And even the support we got from our Buddhist friends, it was just so incredible, even though like nobody really knew us, but they just saw like we were suffering and they really wanted us to be happy, even though they didn't know us, which I thought, oh, wow, like, there's something there. And I just saw so much in the first couple years, so much confidence shift in my mom's life, the courage and the confidence for her to raise me and my sister herself. And I think that was when I was like, oh, wow, there's something here. And even when I would go to Buddhist meetings, I always felt better. But I could never explain like what it was that made me feel better. But I just felt better. And like everyone was just always so welcoming, regardless of what your background was or like what you've been through. And everyone welcomed you open arms, which was just so encouraging, especially at a time
0: like that. Wow. There's so much there that I could ask about. I mean, first of all, just... Thank you for your vulnerability in sharing that. I know it's challenging to (laughs) say like, here's everything that happened in my life growing up. I'm just wondering, you know, you said that you would feel better going to like Buddhist meetings. What did better look like?
1: First of all, my mom would wake me up really early on the <laughs> weekends to go to these meetings. And it's funny because I was never a morning person back then, but I am now. <laughs> but like, even though she used to drag me to these meetings, I just felt so much joy. I saw so many people's struggle and joy. So I really feeded it off of that joy after that meeting. And then I just felt better. I noticed like I was happier. And more joyful, even though like I never really like felt this kind of joy
0: in a sense. Yeah. And so as you started or your mom really started her practice and you were kind of attending meetings and things like that, were any of the circumstances in your life shifting or like what was going on at that time in your personal life?
1: I was in high school at the time and I think initially like there was so much going on personally with our family right but i didn't really like start chanting about it at first like i would chant about boys or friends and like some of my friends knew what had happened but we didn't really talk about it or i didn't know how to talk about it in school they were like oh you're back or like you know it was just like such a interesting space to be back in but at the same time also felt like nothing had Changed in terms of my friendships, which was wonderful in high school, especially in high school. It was my junior year of high school when my stepfather was sent to prison for 30 years. And I think that was like the first actual proof I saw in my life through chanting Nam-myoho Renge-kyo. And I was like, oh, wow, we're so protected. Like it worked for me. You know, the justice system worked for me in this case. And then like senior year of high school, my high school guidance counselor told me like when it was time to apply for colleges and stuff, she told me, oh, because you're never going to go to college. Why are you? trying for all these schools and it was like so heartbreaking yeah but like I knew like I was I was not a school person then with so many things happening to me in my life internally too and I didn't realize it then but like through therapy now (laughs) and like chanting so much you know just chanting in general I realized I was so deeply sad and had so much anger in my life too and so much shame externally I was
0: so happy and so joyful and so full of life but like internally I was struggling so much yeah I'm sure there's like many people listening that have (laughs) experienced that before I personally have I'm like you know outgoing person people perceive me a certain kind of way and being like ah, why does nobody recognize what's really happening internally you know it was like very difficult to like feel like i'm kind of suffering and nobody's seeing that you know i mean how was that experience for you like having this internal struggle but externally like
1: everything's fine (laughs) Yeah, you know, it actually felt so normal to me then, mm. which was which is so sad. Yeah. And like it was like this facade of like, oh, you're so jolly, you're so happy, but like I didn't even know I was suffering so much. But now I can see little things when I look back like, wow, like I was really, really struggling with so much anger inside and and yeah, just mentally just like not really happy
0: yeah yeah absolutely I know it can feel really lonely and isolating and yeah I think it's really interesting that you point out that you didn't even totally know what was happening because I think as we chant and we start to really practice this Buddhism we talk about the Gohonzen which is what we chant to as like the mirror to our internal life and things become so much clearer. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize I was feeling all of this anger yeah. toward whoever or, you know. So I think that's a really beautiful part of our practice. And, yeah, it's just really interesting that, like, looking back, you have recognized that. I'm wondering, like, as you got this, how do I say this? Like feedback from the guidance (laughs) counselor. Like, how did you respond and what happened after that? Yeah,
1: it really struck me to the core. Like, it got me into a more of a depressive state, like internally. It just made me feel like, wow, like, you're really not going anywhere in life. That's what I really thought about myself. But I think that was the point when, like, I finally reached out to my Buddhist friends who would always encourage me so much, whether I wanted it or not, but they really reminded me the power of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo and how limitless it is. and they really like shared with you, you can become like the happiest person ever, regardless of your sufferings. Actually, because of your sufferings, you can become the happiest person ever. In my times of need, they were the first people I reached out to. And they were like, yes, let's chant together. Let's get more involved in the Buddhist community. And like, you know, just participated more in activities. And I slowly start to see like the value a little bit in my life and started to feel more joy in my day to day and just became a little bit happier each and every day, even though it's like such an internal battle
0: all the time, like moment to moment actually. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I love that kind of maybe like I'll say progression because I think You're really showing like it is this moment to moment kind of developing ourselves. Of course, when you start chanting, you do experience like shifts right away. Right. But there are also other things that like (laughs) you're building. Right. Like when there are difficult things that have happened in our lives, it can sometimes take time. Right. But I think we build this foundation for our life through all of these efforts that we make in our practice and chanting every day. Yeah, I guess maybe I'll ask, was there any point that you noticed like, wow, I'm starting to believe in myself more? (laughs) Or was it just kind of so gradual that you didn't notice? Like, yeah. Does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. <laughs>
1: like, I think it got better and better and better as I dove into my Buddhist activities. And then in 2018, it was the Lions of Justice Festival, which was so amazing. We gathered 50,000 youth throughout the U.S. And towards this gathering, it was so amazing and so difficult for me because sometimes, you know, when we're chanting nam myoho kyo in front of the Gohon on like we have to face our karma it brings out so much more Mm -hmm. from our lives it's like when you turn on like an empty faucet, you know, like Mm -hmm. after so many years and the gunk comes out first, right? (laughs) And so like all the gunk was coming out and I realized all this gunk was a lack of self worth and like just begrudging my life. Like there's so much shame in your life and you're not worthy and like all these sense of feelings and so many different things I was like trying to accomplish in my life, whether it was relationship or work or friends or it was all great experience. Externally, but like internally, like I just felt like the world was ending and felt like it was life or death for me at the time and felt like life's just not worth living anymore. At the time, I was so suicidal and I just remember my mom just chanting for hours right next to me, like in front of the on in my room and just really supporting me in that way. And I felt so numb, actually. I didn't feel anything for so many months but I stayed consistent with my Buddhist activities and reaching out to my Buddhist friends and diving into Buddhist study like even though like I never believed in myself and my self-worth Daisaku Ikeda always says you're so capable capable youth you're so precious I was like what does this mean? Like, <laughs> what do you mean I'm but repeating that and studying that all the time, like, and like really supporting behind the scenes for this youth festival in 2018, on the day of the festival, I had never felt that joy, this unimaginable joy. Like I felt like nothing can break me, like nobody can destroy me, type of joy. Like, but all of this was because I chanted so much and I dived so hard into like study and into my Buddhist activities and supporting friends and you know yeah.
0: I mean yeah I got a little emotional (laughs) there. Um Because like what you're sharing is, I mean, I know you're not the only one, you know, because for myself in 2020, like I just experienced such a deep depression. And like you're sharing like this numbness and apathy toward the world that was like I had never I felt like foreign to myself, you know, that kind of apathy. But it's so encouraging to hear that, like, because of the encouragement you received from others from reading work from Daisaku Ikeda that you were able to like keep moving one step forward because sometimes like that is how life is you know like you're in the thick of it and you have to just take like one centimeter step forward so as you were kind of pushing through that did it feel like anything was moving in your life Or did it take a while to feel like, oh, there's something kind of now uh, like opening up?
1: I think it was a little bit of both, to be honest. Mm. Like, it was so great because, like, that day I felt so much joy and, like, so much happiness. But as soon as I got home from the festival, my mom and I got this letter from my stepfather of how he wanted to rekindle his relationship with my mom. I was like, what? Like, we hadn't heard from this man in years. Like, how does he think this is okay? Yeah. (laughs) You know, in a way, but. I felt so much joy and defeated at the same time, even though like I felt so fearless. It was like mixed feelings, but I still like persisted, you know, in my Buddhist practice and study cause I know like received so many benefits. And if I was at such a low earlier that year and felt that like unexplainable joy, like this Buddhism was so important and something like that I've never experienced before. And then going into the pandemic, I really realized like, oh, I need like a little bit more help. So I went to therapy and because my dad's grandfather passed away, that also triggered something in me, which made me seek out therapy so much and had always had this dream of wanting to go to law school and like becoming a domestic violence attorney. And I was like, wow, if I... I want to do this like I got to dig deeper in my life and like heal myself before I can really help others who've been through similar situations and
0: so yeah. yeah yeah I mean I think that's a really important point for anybody listening especially if you're like what is this Buddhism Buddhism is reason you know so like we use our Buddhist practice to bring out wisdom courage and compassion and on the show we call that bootability but that kind of wisdom helps you determine right like oh you know what maybe I really need this kind of like support from a professional and then also you're bringing out your courage to actually do it because it can be very scary yeah um yeah so I think that's really also I think like a kind of I don't know like victory or you know win that like you were like okay I'm ready to like do some deep work now I want to step back a second and ask when you received the letter from your stepdad he was still in prison right correct correct got it okay so he's still in prison he's reaching out and you're like what's going on okay I'm gonna kind of take hold of my life a little bit and take action and start therapy so um yeah what what happened there and while I was
1: in therapy during the pandemic we received news that he was gonna be released early because of good behavior like a a lot of years earlier and this brought so much fear in my mom's and my heart back to that state we were in like so many years ago it's just so much fear coming out of our lives and so we were like let's just go to the gonzon and just chant we're gonna be okay we're still safe right now so While he was in jail, we were able to receive our citizenship and he's still on his green card and he actually ended up getting deported back to India. And so we were like, wow, this is such a huge victory for us in terms of our safety. And at the same time, he was actually reaching out to me on LinkedIn like, hey, how are you? How's your mom? How's your sister? Like all is well with me and all these things. And it was such a shock to me. And then I was like, whatever, I'm just going to block. But he would create fake accounts and reach out every time. And and I realized like, I just get getting fearful like every couple of months again and and again. And but That's when I was like, I have to dig deeper in my prayer and have to dig deeper in my Buddhist study, and I just imagined myself like, I'm gonna be protected no matter what. While I really chanted Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, like, I'm gonna be okay. Like, my family's gonna be okay. Everybody in my family's gonna be protected, and. I felt again like so fearless and now I have so much confidence because of my Buddhist study and my Buddhist practice and all like the advice I got from my Buddhist friends like oh like I'm gonna be okay like I don't have that sense of fear and fear doesn't consume my life anymore.
0: I can't even like imagine the like the heaviness of like kind of having a life of Not that your whole life is consumed with fear, right? But like having something hanging over your head, maybe I'll say. As much as we try and get away from it, these things tend to like still emerge and emerge and emerge. But to be able to bring out the courage to say, I don't care, like I'm fearless, I'm going to be okay and have that kind of like conviction is really powerful, really powerful for maybe somebody that's listening and has like somebody or something that they're really fearful of? I guess what would you share to them? Like how to navigate like that kind of consuming fear?
1: Yeah, it's so valid. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like
1: your fear is so valid. But also like the sense of fear that I had, I was creating this illusion also of what ifs. A lot of what ifs. And then that became doubt and then it became fear that just consumed my life. But when I was chanting in front of the Gohonzon, I was really polishing my life and bringing more clarity into my life where I was like, oh, these what ifs it's not reality. So all these feelings, whatever fear or doubt or whatever it is, when you face it in front of the Gohonzon and you're so honest about your feelings, you just gain so much clarity that like, oh, this is what it really is. This is actually my reality. And when you dive into Buddhist study, you're like, oh, I'm capable. Like This is nothing. I'm invincible type of feeling like I'm so capable of changing this fear into conviction and and joy also.
0: As that kind of is happening, you're developing that kind of conviction and fearlessness. What else is like happening in your life? Are you like studying, work, family, relationships? Like what is happening? I know it's like COVID period. So yeah. maybe not much. But yeah. yeah, you know,
1: I was still working and it was so awesome. And earlier this year, through a lot of Channing, I learned, oh, like, could you still have this dream of like really wanting to go to law school? And I decided to quit my job and like study full time. And when I was still Channing about all of this, I actually realized that I had been avoiding so many things still in my life and I had felt this intensity of feelings in my life but I couldn't really understand or knew what the intensity was and it was this intensity of even wanting to study or like to like d- make this dream happen, mm-hmm. I was like, I would literally do anything else. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll hang out with this friend or I'll like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I realized there was still a part of me where I felt like a little bit of shame of what I had gone through. And like, even though like I realized my life is so valuable and I deserve to live and respect the dignity of my life, I didn't like, fully accept everything that had happened to me and like still be like oh despite of all this like you're still amazing you know and I'm like finally realizing that now and realize wow like all these years of trying to take this LSAT exam like you know why I wasn't passing because I didn't believe I could do it (laughs) and like at the same time while I'm doing this so many things came up from my dad's side of the family. And I was like, why am I feeling so much pain and so much anger? And I realized, wow, there's still so much anger in my heart. And as I started chanting about this anger, it actually turned to compassion. And so really started chanting for their happiness. And while I was chanting for their happiness, I realized that I was craving my dad's affection from them. And, and now I'm still like in the process of like grieving my father's death, even though it happened when I was four and it was so many years ago, I just realized that I was on pilot mode all these years. And even in therapy, I would be like, Oh yeah, my father passed away, but like, let's get into like the abuse that happened Mm -hmm, or, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I was like, wow, like I never really grieved this. And, Didn't know what it was like grieving. And I think I was so used to like having grown up with a single mom that I was like so fine Mm -hmm. and so like okay with it and embraced it. Of course, I still embrace it. But yeah, I'm like learning how to grieve this
0: way later in life yeah it's so powerful though because to be able to get at really deep things in our lives it's hard to do it takes a lot of courage to like unearth things that are painful and I think you getting to this point even though you're like oh it's taken so long it's so far you know I feel like it's a testament to like how much you've grown, that you can really honestly and vulnerably like take a look at the things that are like still causing you suffering and like have the courage to face them head on. I'm curious now with where you're at at this point in your life, what are you thinking toward the future? Like what kind of goals do you have? What kind of things do you still want to transform in your life? yeah you know my whole life i'm always questioning like what does a
1: harmonious family look like like what does you know what does a happy family look like i had like envisioned seeing so many of my friends families and i was like is it supposed to look like that or like this or like this like picture perfect thing and i realized like no like i just want the most joyful most happy respectful loving and like just a lot of safety in the family that i want and the great thing about this buddhism is you can create whatever life you want and so i've just decided i'm gonna create this type of family for myself
0: Yeah, it's so true. We don't need to follow any kind of blueprint of like, oh, this is how somebody else lives their lives. We can create whatever kind of life we want for ourselves, which is so amazing. So you were sharing that like extended family, you started to recognize like they also had anger. I'm wondering like when this airs, it's probably gonna be around like holiday season and everybody's got, you know, different family dynamics and things that they're navigating. I guess I'm wondering like for... Anyone that's listening that is also experiencing this kind of like disunity, frustration, anger, resentment with any family members, how would you encourage them or what would you share to them to like kind of navigate this holiday season?
1: Yeah, I think I'm still in the process of it. So like we don't always have to like everybody in our family. (laughs) We don't have to. But because I didn't want this sense of anger to be within my life and within my family's life from that point i really am chanting for everybody's happiness where like we can really like react or do things from a sense of joy and truly from their heart whether like they realize it now or later it doesn't matter I'm chanting that way while looking forward in this path of this harmonious family. I want to create at the same time, like looking backwards, I'm like chanting about it. And in Buddhism, we talk about how we can change our lives seven generation back and seven generations forward when you're chanting in the present and looking towards the future. We can change a lot of things in our past. And of course, like move the direction in our future, too, so I, I don't know if that may- makes sense but that's kind of how I'm looking at it and how how I'm navigating
0: it and Mm. yeah you know you shared you were going from like women's shelter to women's shelter what happened like how did you shift that like what happened to your family what happened to you yeah
1: we received so many benefits from Channing and after the women's shelter to another we stayed at another place and it was a very small room like one room where me my mom and my sister lived in it was so small we lived there throughout my high school and a little bit of college and then we moved into an apartment apartment. And like we still live like paycheck to paycheck at this point. And I also work so many jobs and it was just so difficult. But every year we would see like some sort of like benefit. It just got better and better. And actually last year, my mom bought a small little condo in the Bay Area. And it was like oh my such gosh. a beautiful victory. And two years ago, I moved in with my boyfriend into this beautiful home. And it was just such an incredible thing to see. I even forgot that (laughs) we moved from so many different places or we were homeless. We even experienced that. It feels like a lifetime ago, to be honest, but this Buddhism is just so amazing because we're able to change so much in our lives
0: wow yeah wow that's so amazing yeah I think it's just so funny that you're like yeah I I didn't even remember I forgot (laughs) that that happened (laughs) (laughs) because like you know when we have so many victories in our lives we're able to like transform so much that we're not holding yeah. it, like there's not that same heaviness mm-hmm. of our past mm-hmm. and of course like some things like it takes a while but yeah when i g- think back talking about like previous really difficult painful periods of my life i'm like oh yeah like, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh it was so difficult it was with the worst breakup of my life yeah. <laughs> you can talk about it like so lightly because yeah. you're not still holding that you've been able to transform that like heaviness yeah into something really beautiful in your life so that's yeah so wonderful so now I want to ask if there was anything during this period that really encouraged you like anything that you read or any buddhist concept that you wanted to share
1: yes I would love to share from discussions on youth from Daisaku Ikeda he shares nothing is more despicable than violence against women it is absolutely unforgivable I can only imagine the incredible physical and mental agony that women who are victims of sexual assault must suffer. Though you may perhaps lose trust in others or feel defiled and broken, please remember that no one can destroy who you are. No matter how badly you have been hurt, you remain as pure as fresh snow. Buddhism teaches that the lotus flower grows in muddy water. What this means is our supremely noble lives continue to shine even amid the harshest of life's realities, just like the pure white lotus flower that blooms unsoiled by the mud. Having gone through what you have, there is pain and suffering in others' hearts that only you can notice. Having suffered what you have, there is true love and affection that only you can find. There are definitely people out there who need you. If you give up on yourself, it is only you who will lose nothing no matter what happens can change your inherent worth please have courage please tell yourself that you are not going to let this ordeal defeat you those who have suffered the most those who have experienced the greatest sadness have a right to become the happiest of all what would the purpose of our buddhist practice be if the most miserable could not become happy The tears you shed cleanse your life and make it shine. To live with this conviction and keep moving ever forward is the spirit of Buddhism. It is also the essence of life. I love, you know, where it says no matter how badly you've been hurt, you remain as pure as fresh snow and no matter what's happened to you, you're still so amazing and your life has so much value and you can still create so much value and that's kind of what I took out of this. I've reread this so many times, like repeatedly, even to this day
0: And, and it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. This has been a really wonderful interview. I feel like you can just hear it in your voice, the kind of joy and conviction that you have. And I think that in and of itself is like proof of this practice that everything that you've navigated in your life, so many obstacles that you're like, yeah, but my life is so <laughs> valuable. I can still experience joy and I'm still going to dream about like having this harmonious family and have hope for my life, I think is just really wonderful. Um, So if there's somebody listening to this podcast for the first time, or maybe they've listened a couple of times, but haven't started chanting yet, what advice would you give them?
1: Just try chanting. You can just create so much joy in your life, regardless of the life state you're in or the circumstance you're in right now so just try chanting it's so cliche <laughs> and so like yeah but i think perseverance is something that you gain through chanting too like regardless of what you go through you're still gonna come out winning so just really try chanting because it's the best joy you will ever feel
0: Now that Krithi has courageously uncovered the fear preventing her from following her dreams, she's now seriously studying for the LSAT and working every day to continue to cultivate the most joyful and harmonious family. As someone who's also experienced depression, I was personally touched to hear how she used her Buddhist practice to move through a dark period and become someone who experiences joy she hadn't known was possible. Just as Kriti shared, as we chant Namyoho myoho renge kyo we can start to see the reality of our lives. I really love that point. I can so easily make all my decisions based on fear, and that's usually just my warped anxiety. The 13th century Buddhist reformer Nichiren Daishonin writes in a letter titled, On Attaining Buddhahood in This Lifetime, a mind clouded by the illusions of the innate darkness of life is like a tarnished mirror but when polished, it is sure to become like a clear mirror, reflecting the essential nature of phenomena, or the Dharma nature, and the true aspect of reality. This passage describes how our practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo helps us to polish this mirror, tarnished by things like fear, to help us see and believe in our ability, our limitless courage, wisdom, and compassion. When we tap into that, we can see just how much is really possible. If you want to learn more and participate in the bootability community, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org and we'll help you get connected with Buddhists near you. For next week's episode, we're asking you to share one thing you love about yourself. You can respond to us via Instagram or email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. Until next time...